0: And welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Colin Shasperger.
1: And I'm Jeff Poling. On tonight's show, we have our featured music and the LGBT area event calendar. But joining us this evening is J. Patrick Redmond, author of the novel Some Go Hungry, and fellow Kaylee Jones and Akashic Books author Patti Smith. We have both of you here tonight. <laughs> um, Patty will be speaking a little bit about her novel, The Year of Needy Girls, Patrick and Patty, welcome to Blooming Out. <laughs> that's that's kind of difficult, Patrick and Patty, I know, isn't it? <laughs> right. So, um, very exciting to have you both here. Um, we want to talk about your both of your books. Now, Patrick, you've been with us um, with uh, talking about your first novel, Some Go Hungry, um, but uh, Colin, you. Uh, have something here to uh, okay. t- to maybe uh, take over and talk about oh um, sure. so uh,
0: before we get to tonight's interview here's a little biography about both of the authors uh, Patricia A Smith's uh, nonfiction has appeared in several anthologies including Uh, One teacher in 10, gay and lesbian educators tell their stories, and one teacher in 10 in the new millennium. LGBT educators speak out about what's gotten better and what hasn't. Her work has appeared uh, or is forthcoming uh, in such places as Salon, Broad Street, Prime Number, and Gris Gris. The Year of Needy Girls is her first novel. A native New Englander, Smith now lives in Chester, Virginia with her partner.
2: Patty's everywhere. Uh, she's <laughs> all over the place.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome Patty.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So um, what we what we were talking about earlier here is but um, bear with me one second here having a slight technical difficulty. okay. Okay, so um, just a, a short bio on, on both of you. J. Patrick Redmond is a, West, a Midwesterner and a Kaylee Jones um, book, books writer. His novel, Some Go Hungry, which we were talking about earlier, draws from his experiences in rural southwestern Indiana with his family's restaurant. Some Go Hungry is the story of a young man choosing to live under the radar in his conservative community until he no longer can. Patrick's writings have appeared in the Huffington Post, the um, No Hate Campaign, the Southampton Review, and in the Barnes & Noble Review's Gin & Tonic. He is also the 2012 recipient of the Deborah Heck Memorial Prize in Fiction. Yes. Congratulations, Patrick. Thank
2: you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: The... um, what we really want to to discuss is um, where you are at right now with with both of your books. Now we have we have Patty on the phone, and we're and we're talking about um, the Year of Needy Girls. And if if I can just be permitted to maybe just give an. an Well, actually, you know, Patty, why don't you tell our (laughs) listeners um, about The Year of Needy Girls, your debut novel?
3: Okay, sure. Um, So The Year of Needy Girls takes place in Massachusetts, um, and it features Deirdre Murphy. She's a teacher. She lives with her partner, Sarah Jane, who goes by SJ. And when the book opens, there's a young boy who's been abducted, and he's sexually molested and murdered. This is not a giveaway. You find this out right away. Sure. Um, And because that's happened, there's an uproar in the town, um, kind of a a witch hunt to not only find out who did this horrible crime, but um, a kind of a backlash against all LGBT adults who are working with kids. So then there's fallout in the town after this, this horrible crime.
1: Sure. Okay. The um and 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 this is um I understand based on your experience um when you were a teacher in Cambridge, Massachusetts in is it the late 1990s? Is am I
3: That's uh yeah, no that's right. That's right. I start I taught both in a private school in Massachusetts in the 80s. I started teaching in 1985. Um, and then I taught in Cambridge, and there was a young boy named Jeffrey Curley who was abducted and molested and murdered. And there was a lot of fear among the LGBT community myself included. Um, and we were fearful that there would be this kind of misguided backlash um, against gay adults. But Jeffrey Curley's parents were adamant that such a thing not happen. so we were you know we were really lucky, but I think I kept that fear with me. And that was kind of what prompted the "what if" question. Is what prompted the book,
1: right? Right, and and that is something that um, we all—it's um, it, on our minds when when a horrible tragedy like that happens, and and yet, e- even though it did happen, it, the community did did not it it did not go o- overboard. It did not get get crazy and out of hand why do you think that
3: in real life you mean in
1: in real life
3: yeah i well i really think it's because jeffrey Curley's parents spoke out against that happening that they were you know they had plenty of friends who were lgbt friends who were parents themselves and so they I, i think had anticipated this might happen and they were gracious enough to speak out and say you know no, this has nothing to do with being gay. This is nothing, you know. This is a, a whole, a completely separate crime and horrible thing that's happened, and has nothing to do with the LGBT community.
2: Sure. Well, and if I may interject there too, I think I think one of the things that we're dealing with, specifically with the LGBTQ community, is there's still this sort of residual. Uh, sense out there with certain generations that conflate pedophilia with homosexuality, and and this idea that you know if you have somebody in the LGBTQ community mentoring a a, a student or a uh, you know a teenager or something like that, that there has to be maybe an extra bit of precaution just in case. And, and fortunately, we're moving forward and we're moving away from that idea. And most educated individuals understand that there is a, certainly a difference between pedophilia and homosexuality. But I still think we're dealing with some of those stereotypes yet. And I was a teacher for many years with the Miami-Dade Public School System. So I also understand kind of where Patty's coming from in terms of mentoring students and... and, and
1: right. It's, it's taken a long time for our community to finally to get to that point where it's not where where just anyone won't buy that 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 talking point that the you know extreme right would love to keep throwing towards us now but you I so this is interesting you're both teachers you both come from a teaching background yes and um Mm -hmm. the um I, I'm sure it's it's just individual, um, you know, circumstances as to what made you decide to to start writing. But but Patrick, first, can you tell us what what inspired you to to start putting? Well, up?
2: some go hungry was a story that that had sort of been that I'd had inside for quite some time because unlike Patty's story, Patty Patty's has has certain has had certain experiences that sort of informed her story but my my novel actually started out as a memoir uh, when I was 17 years old uh, and, and I went to school in, uh, in Vincennes, Indiana, a young boy by the name of Brent Brand, who was perceived to be gay, nobody knows for sure whether he was or he wasn't. He probably didn't even know himself, uh, died under incredibly mysterious circumstances at a party, at a local party that was rumored, again, we're talking about stereotypes, to be homosexual in nature. They loaded his body into a car, drove across the uh, Wabash River, the bridge across the Wabash River, and dumped his body in a farm-filled drainage ditch. And the book, my novel, Some Go Hungry, debuted last year at almost the 30th anniversary of this particular crime, This what a lot of people believe to be a murder, and it's still unsolved. The, the community has done really nothing about that. So – being 17 years old and, and having Brent in my class and sort of knowing his family and knowing him, I was always on the periphery of all of that. It certainly col- colored my experience and my coming out uh, in that community because I was always wondering, wow, you know, if they did this to him, what are they going to do to me? And so that was sort of the genesis of, of my story, Some Go Hungry.
1: And Patty, um, for yourself, um, what inspired you to to write your first book?
3: Um, well, actually, I've been teaching, I've been writing probably as long as I've been teaching. I've always been writing and always thought of myself equally as a writer and a, and a teacher. But um, this story, um, and, and also I should say, I, I had gotten an MFA in nonfiction. I thought I was writing, I was going to be writing nonfiction. But I always wanted to write a novel. And um, I don't know what prompted this particular story so much, except that um, I think. You know, I originally thought I was going to be writing a story about how homophobia um, broke apart a family, actually. That's how the story began. Okay. And um, as I got going, I started thinking about it. I started branching out, I think, and thinking about how maybe homophobia might um, impact a small town. Um, And then I, you know, had all these experiences. I'd been teaching for a long time, and they all kind of bubbled to the surface, and I thought, you know, why not? Why not use that experience too to inform my
1: novel? So I did. The um, your your story now. This the does it take place kind of you know timeline wise about the same time that the, the that the actual occurrence the tragedy in, in Cambridge took place was is it is it about that same time that that late nineties period?
3: You know that. That's an excellent question because when I wrote (laughs) the book, I thought that the novel should take place pre-marriage equality, because Massachusetts was the first state, right?
1: Oh, right, sure,
3: to legalize marriage equality. And I thought, oh, for for so much homophobia to kind of come forth that this should maybe happen pre-marriage equality. But actually, when I was starting to go through the publishing process, the publisher um, thought otherwise. They thought that really it should be more timeless. Because um, because really the homophobia can happen anytime and anywhere and as we know sadly still happens so really it's it's meant to be more or less timeless. Sure. Uh, but there are there are a few markers in the book if you if you read them there are a few giveaways that it's probably um, you know early nineties
1: or early nineties.
2: What was what was one of the examples you gave one time at one of our you were you I for, what was that I can't remember you gave an example of a of a clue.
3: One of them is, the biggest one is that there are girls at a sleepover, and they prank call someone. <laughs>
2: That's what it was, yes.
3: And their phone number is listed. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> okay. So that that anymore. Do I don't think kids do that anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. So the political climate, you know, in in the 90s. I mean, it it wasn't that long ago, you know, right? I'm I'm looking at, you know, I'm reading through this and going, wow, it really wasn't that long ago. What was, what was different?
3: What was different in the
1: 90s? Yeah. yeah, As far as the, the LGBTQ community, um, you know, our struggles, you know, like, like you said, you, you, you um, based it or, or. Or timeline-wise, it, right. it it happened after Massachusetts passed marriage equality. Right. So, you know, during that that time, um, the 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 struggles that people were were going through, and 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 what people were trying to 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 figure out, I I would think would have had a to you know a, a, a to play sure. with that.
3: Well, like, for example, I remember, I talk about this too a lot, early days of the gay pride, right? Going to the gay pride march in Boston. And if you were a teacher, we put paper bags over our heads and wrote teacher. Really? Um, Yeah, because you couldn't be a teacher and be gay. You would be fired, for example. Um, And there was a lot of fear still. Um, I happen to be one of the early, early board members of GLSEN. I'm not sure if you're familiar with GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Yes. Yes. but that literally saved my teaching life. There were moments when I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't pretend not to be who I, am. you know, I, I can't hide who I am. Right, it was really hard. Um, and I met Kevin Jennings early on, and I was one of the original board members of Glsen back when it was Glsen Boston before it became an internet, you know, a national nonprofit. Okay. Um. So that really, for me, changed a lot of. Um, that was sort of my first beginnings of activism, both as an LGBTQ person and as a teacher, you know, the, my, when my, those two lives kind of coincided. Right. Um, but, but in the early days, there was certainly, there was a lot of fear. And, you know, I talk about this, too, that I lived in Cambridge, and Cambridge is a notoriously um, open place, liberal place. And yet I felt that even there, there was a kind of facade of liberalness, you know, there was a kind of... Um, you know would be in school and would be talking about students and um, and even my colleagues who were very progressive in a lot of ways I still felt like there was a lot of homophobia there deep down and I wanted to bring that out in the book too
1: sure the i I, I can't help but think if if teachers were wearing you know masks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna come back with a question about that because i i I just First of all, it's very hard to believe. Um, Uh But, yeah, we want to continue this discussion very much. Um, We're going to take a quick music break, though, now. Um, So we will be right back with Patty and Patrick.
0: Yeah, so it's time for our first music break of the evening. Uh, After premiering the single live on SNL last month... um, Time. Hold on one second. I'm sorry, we're having... A little bit of a technical difficulty here. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, while we try to figure out what's going on, uh, we're going to go ahead and start the song by Haim. back um sorry about that everyone our scripts just magically disappeared and so that was, uh, very frightening well
1: we're, we're, we're yeah we're having apple versus pc wars i, I, I think and uh, i don't think I, either one is winning actually no i'm neither. sitting
2: on the other side of this and i remember all of the years of being in the classroom trying to get the smart board to work or trying to get a, a video up and just spending hours on that and becoming so frustrated i know patty knows the same
1: feeling too <laughs> Hi, Patty. Are you still with us, or did you give up? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, Uh there's the answer to that one. (laughs) I
0: don't know where Patty
4: went. (laughs)
0: Okay, I'm here. Oh, hey, she's back. (laughs) (laughs) So, so,
1: so before we we went to music break, Patty, we we were talking about the Boston Pride and what what you know. We'll call um, the evolution of the Boston Pride with with the teachers and and this was in the '90s and yep there was a time when the teachers were told I I would assume that they have to wear masks in in the pride so that they don't identify themselves so so my 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 thought I can't help but thinking wow what a What a message you're sending to Mm -hmm. kids.
3: Right, exactly. And so this, well, and I should say the time when we were, I mean, literally, and I'm not even making this up, the paper bags might have really been the 80s and, um, you know, certainly the late 80s. But, you know, when I think of the evolution of that, right, for example, and then um, the evolution of GLSEN that started out the gay lesbian Let's see, it was G-L-I-S-T-E-N, Gay, Lesbian Independent School Teacher Network is how it began. And then it became the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Teacher Network. No, I don't know. It eventually became the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Teacher Network, and then it became the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, which is what it is now. And when we first marched carrying that banner, right, we all had our T-shirts, and our motto was together for a change. You, the crowd in Boston erupted. People went, you know, gay teachers, oh my God, and they went crazy.
2: No, do you mean they went, cr- I'm sorry, Jeff, yeah, I'm, no. I'm jumping in here. No, please do. You, do. I, because I, Patty and I've kind of, we've done some events together, and I, this is the first time I've heard this too. So, Patty, do you mean that they went crazy, like, like. Happy. Happy, okay, happy. all right, great, yeah. good, good. I
3: couldn't believe it. They were like, oh my God, they're a gay teacher, like they started clapping, There was a, pl- it was. Wow. It was, you know, we were moved to tears, and people were just, couldn't believe that there were gay teachers marching in Pride. Now in Boston Pride, all the gay-straight alliances march, too. You know, all the students, all the teachers march together, and it's a whole, um, right. you know, different ballgame. So it has been a relatively quick um, change, you mm-hmm. know, if you think of it that way.
1: Sure, sure. Now, um, of course, you know, we this is um, just a couple days um before june ends june has is mm-hmm. is pride month and so um w- have you been able to uh, attend any uh pride events this year so far patty
3: I haven't because actually I live in virginia I live in richmond virginia and our pride is in september <laughs> Because um, So I go every year in September, so I I went last September, but I haven't been to any in June, um, because we've been first in school and then on the road, and we missed Boston Pride altogether, unfortunately.
1: Oh, sure, sure. Patrick, how about yourself? Any Pride events? Well, I hit a lot of Pride events
2: last year, you know, at the height of the promotion for Some Go Hungry, but I did did attend uh, part of Louisville Pride nice this year and and one thing that i wanted to add to what patty was talking about too is is you know my novel some go hungry sort of switches back and forth from the late 80s to about you know the the there's the 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 story of the murder is is in the in the late 80s and then the contemporary story uh, it takes place about 20 22 years later but an interesting thing about my hometown where this crime occurred is probably about 4 years ago now i think it was the high school, my alma mater, uh, Vincennes Lincoln High School, ha, uh, uh, finally got a GSA, a Gay-Straight Alliance. And those kids, for the first time about four years ago, marched in the Vincennes Lincoln High School homecoming parade down Main Street Vincennes with their banners and their signs and – I mean that was such an incredibly proud moment as an alumnus for me. Sure. Because at that at that time when I was in high school and that age I would have never had the courage that those kids had Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So there has been a wonderful evolution in terms of, of visibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that's incredible, and that's surprising to me that you said that was four years ago.
2: Probably, it's been. I, I think the GSA has only been around for about four no long no more than five years, right? Roughly around that, oh. give or take a couple of years. And 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 to have something like that in, in my hometown is is you know substantial. I mean, it really took a lot of courage on the part of the students, and it took a lot of courage on the part of of the uh, the sponsor. And um, and with the, when some go hungry came out, I mean, we got a wonderful reception locally because I don't live in Vincennes any longer, but we did do a book launch there. Uh, to the extent that we have even, I've been able to assist through sales of some go hungry to establish an LGBTQ resource center in the local library there. Wow. So it, it awesome. it's come a very long
0: way. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And
1: and you did get. Quite, you have had quite a lot of support uh,
2: more than I ever anticipated yeah. more than I ever you know I, I, I you know given given the the way this this I mean this this the, the the murder that it's a fictionalized version of it in my novel but given the actual crime that took place and the scandal that followed it I mean it was it rocked my community in the late eighties and even up through the early nineties. And, you know, there was some trepidation there on, you know, are people willing 30 years later to have the conversation about this? And we had a book launch in Vincennes and we prepared for 30 people to come to the book launch on main street in Vincennes at an art gallery. And when I arrived with my publisher, Kaylee Jones, which is Patty's publisher as well. And, and another author in our collective, Barb Taylor, um, uh, the guest book had over 125 signatures in the guest book. People were packed into this art gallery wall-to-wall up the staircase. People were being turned away at the front door because everybody was really they – they were ready to have this conversation. And uh, it was an absolutely incredible and phenomenal and moving experience for everyone involved.
1: Yeah, it really sounds like you – I don't want to say did a cleansing of the community, but I'm sure a lot of people were able. There to. was there,
2: you know, I you know there was there was opportunity to have conversation, and I think there was opportunity for other people to again. It's all about visibility. I mean, if mm-hmm. if we have the visibility, then people see. There's really we're not that much different, and and people right. that lived there you know were frightened to talk about this particular scandal for fear of you know repercussion or what might happen to them and the family had been treated Terribly over the course of thirty years had been ostracized and and just treated terribly by by other community members because the community was you know it was the late eighties and we were at the you know at the height of the AIDS panic and all of this misinformation that was being pumped into the nation's living rooms through local or through local regional and national news not to mention the televangelists you know on Sundays and and um, you know there was a real element of fear and and what that event showed me was people were ready to move beyond the fear even though it took them 30 years to move beyond the fear and to have the conversation and with the high school having a GSA and the Knox County Public Library developing an LGBTQ resource center they're not only moving beyond the fear but but they're ready to they're ready to to make real change and i think that's incredible for a southern indiana community of 19,000 people
1: mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go to the top of the hour briefly, and we'll be right back talking with Patrick and Patty.
4: This is listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, and Nashville. Community radio for south-central Indiana and online at wfhb.org. Right now, it is 85 degrees Fahrenheit in Bloomington. Tonight, there is a 60% chance of rain with lows overnight in the 70s. Tomorrow on Friday, the high will be 83 degrees with 80% chance of rain and a cloudy morning. (laughs) And tomorrow night, a low of 69 degrees. Looks like just a lot of thunderstorms this weekend, so make sure you have your umbrella. Now back to Blooming Out on WFHB.
1: Well, we are back. Um, We are going to take a uh, music break and then return to our discussion with Patrick and Patty and um about um their books and um many other things that we have been discussing um on this evening's show but tonight um house hitmakers hercules and love affair released tuesday the title track off their fourth studio album a minion due out in september A Minion features Sharon Van Etten on vocals, who said her collaboration with Hercules founder Andy Butler is vulnerable but strong, coming to terms with identity and finding community. It's a very important time to share in that sentiment, she said. I really appreciate Andy reaching out to collaborate. His heart beats in his songs. Butler added that Van Etten is an artist of incredible depth and authenticity, authenticity and her voice is so inviting yet truly has a mystery about it. Those qualities rendered a beautiful interpretation of a song that's ultimately an appeal to the divine for help and healing. With such a generous spirit and kindness about her, she was a joy to work with. Here is the track from Hercules and Love Affair, A Minion.
4: Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. More information on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Quarryland Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. More information can be found at quarryland.org.
1: And we are back with um, at Blooming Out, talking with uh, Patricia Smith and um, Patrick Redmond, authors of the Kaylee Jones books. Um, Patricia's is year the Year of Needy Girls, and Patrick is Some Go Hungry. Now, Patricia, Patricia um, we wanted to ask you about what has been your, um, what's been the reception um, as you've been traveling, you've been um, talking to people about your book. You had mentioned that, you know, in the story, you wanted to explore what could happen if homophobia were allowed to spread in an otherwise tolerant community. What have the real communities been talking to you about?
3: That's a great question. Um, I've been really lucky, and I feel like I've, everywhere I've gone, I've had a great reception. I just did a reading two nights ago um, in, in a small town Massachusetts. Um, and people have been terrific. They've been really supportive of it, um, but it has been interesting that when we talk about the book, and when we talk about the events in the book, for example, um, people, you know, there's a lot of head nodding in the audience. There's a lot of Um, people who've been through experiences, I had a couple um, at at the bookstore, I was reading it in Plainville, Massachusetts the other night, who had, the woman had bought the book, and I didn't know where she had bought the book, and then gone home and started reading it, she said she couldn't put it down, and her husband said, oh, did you know the author's going to be at the bookstore, and so they turned around and drove all the way back, 45 minutes back to the bookstore, and came to the reading, and it turns out that her husband is a retired teacher, um, and they have several friends she came right up to me afterwards and she said oh my gosh you know i can't i can't wait to give this to my friends and this one's a teacher and i have you know she's been through f- some kind of rough things as a as a as a teacher herself so i feel like the response has been really positive people have been very open and um you know very very willing to talk about the things that they've experienced in their lives too mm-hmm.
1: and um Patrick, you 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 kind of got this the same thing um, with the uh, the communities as far as the response to your to your book. Well, it's it's interesting because I'm kind of on the other side of this
2: now. Patty, Patty was you were launched in January. What was your launch date, Patty? I don't remember.
3: January third.
2: January third, yeah. So and and I I was about. Seven months or so in into my run in, in terms of uh you know book tour we did like twenty twenty towns and cities throughout the midwest uh the northeast and and the south and uh it it's 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 i've had the pleasure now of a couple different times of being on panel discussions with patty and and talking and and but um, I'm sort of looking back and 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 really sort of considering the experience. And like Patty, I had really, I, I didn't know what to expect necessarily. And the reception has been incredibly overwhelming. And again, it's about you know I think people are willing to have these kinds of conversations now because people there are a lot of people out there you know that that maybe consider themselves allies but they don't really know how to approach it and they they want to have the conversations and they do have questions and they want to feel like they're in a safe space mm-hmm. to sort of have those conversations and to ask those questions and i uh, you know i've rec- i've had at the book events we had wonderful conversations and i guess the thing that really has moved me are the people that have reached out either through social media or email especially parents I've had a lot of emails and and yeah. private messages on Facebook from parents that either have or are in the process of raising a son or daughter that's LGBT or LGBTQ and and you know just saying thank you because it gave them another it gave them another perspective. It gave them an op- another opportunity to have a conversation with their son or daughter or with a family member. And I think m- most importantly is that you know the, the were the the communications that were coming from those families in in the rural parts of Middle America, where you know we, there are resources available online. Certainly, you know like right. Trevor Project and No Hate and Glisten and all of that, but there aren't really any brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. resources and and so it, it it gave them some hope that there are people out there in the community
1: that have that have their back so to speak right and not everyone yep. wants to to sit at a computer and do all this research i mean the, a lot of the the parents feel like they're on their own exactly they don't have any support <laughs> exactly and you know
2: and you know and sadly i mean and we're we're kind of seeing a uh, you know, we're kind of seeing a resurgence a little bit is uh, with the current political climate and our current administration. But, um, you know, there are still a lot of school systems, especially in rural communities throughout America, not just middle America, that just do not want to address these issues when it comes to LGBTQ students at all. And, you know, when you have a suicide rate that's, you know, a, an LGBTQ Teenagers four to six times more likely to commit suicide than their straight counterpart. These are the kinds of conversations we need to be having, like what Patty has written about in her novel and what I've written about in *Some Go Hungry*.
3: That's right, and getting those books out there and getting them into young people's hands too—that's really important.
2: Exactly, mm-hmm.
1: and it sounds like to, uh, all all different generations' hands, right? Because. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, for a lot of people, it's a new experience. Not only what's happening now, but a lot of them want to be schooled, want, want to be told about what it was like it through history, you know, like whether it be the 80s or 90s, you know, and a lot of, a lot of, you know, the young, whether, whether it be the younger generation or, whoever, really want to, to know.
2: Well, and an interesting anecdote to sort of follow up on that is um, at a couple different of the book events that, that Kaylee Jones Books has had uh, in Evansville, Indiana, or in Bloomington, or in New Harmony, or, or Vincennes, or wherever, um, in Indianapolis— um, there have been women that are my mother's age. I'm not going to give my mother's age, even though today is her birthday. Happy birthday. Um, but she's in her late 60s. Um, she had friends, classmates that picked the book up, picked up a copy of Some Go Hungry. And the only reason they picked it up was because it was Candy's son. You know, he Candy's son wrote a book and I'm going to read it. But all of a sudden I had this like, you know class of 1966 groupies that were, you know, talking about some go hungry on their social media and showing up to the book launches and the events and things like these women in their late sixties and early seventies, reading the novel and passing it on to their family members. I mean, you can't get any better than that because that's a whole generation that at one point in time was not going to go near a conversation like that.
4: Sure.
1: Absolutely. Did you, did you find uh, a, a similar you know experience Patty um, with the are are you are you are you finding that there's one generation maybe is a little bit more interested or do you have all kinds of different um, you know age groups interested in your book
3: I do and it's similar to Patrick I think same you know same thing with my mother and her friends and who all of course were excited to get the book and so I think it is you know and, and it's interesting because I don't I'm not sure i thought about that ahead of time obviously you know you write the book and you send it out there and you forget oh yeah all these everyone you know who knows who's going to pick it up
4: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. sure
3: but it's been great and i and also i because i teach i felt like i had a kind of a a built-in younger audience also um but i think it has been all you know and certainly at the readings have been people of all starting from high school kids right on up to older older adults and they've all seemed to enjoy it so it's been it's that's been a really gratifying part of this
1: the um, let's see so so you're where where are you at in your in in your tour you said you you launched in early January
3: I did and then I had um, I had my and my book launch was actually in this wonderful lesbian bar in Richmond and so that was a blast um, and it was huge, sold out. You know, really fun. Cool. Um, and I had a couple of local events in Richmond, and then I um, I went to New York. I had um, in March. I was in New York and New Jersey and Philly, and then I came um, up the East Coast, and I was in Massachusetts for a week, and then I um I think that's right. And then I've just just come back again, and I'm now doing some events in new england i was just in plainville and i'm going to have two events in maine one in portland and one in demarcotomy up on the coast
2: well, and what's been interesting about this, if I may interject just for a moment, is Kaylee Jones, um, it, she she began this collective of authors. And it's basically, she established it for either emerging or established authors. But there's a certain aesthetic and a certain sensibility that she's trying to curate through her collective. And I had never met Patty. My book launched in May of 2016. And and I knew Patty was sort of coming down the pike with her novel and, and was, was going to be launching in January. So I just met Patty for the first time, even even though we were working within this collective together in February, because as part of the collective, she and I and Kaylee and a few others had been invited to uh, the Association of Writers and Writing Programs in Washington, D.C., and we did a panel discussion there. And it was one of these things that as soon as we met one another and we sat down and started having conversation, we hit it off. It's as if we had known each other our entire lives. And I think that's one thing to sort of speak in in a much larger fashion about the collective itself and all of the really wonderful titles and authors that are a part of that. Um, There's something there within the collective for everyone. No I mean, we have the Chautauqua Circuit. We have you know all and Lori Lowenstein's Unmentionables. We have all sorts of stories there, and, and and it really has it has developed into. And it sounds so cliche, but it really has kind of developed into a family. I think
3: family. Yep, I agree mm-hmm. totally.
0: I've got a question. Um, so you said that the story was um, Patrick was based off of a boy who who died, right? Um, did you ever get to talk to the family um, about the book, either when you were writing it or after?
2: Okay, so that's another interesting story as well. Because what, from my perspective of that that period in time in mm-hmm. 1986, was that my hometown uh, was completely and utterly apathetic to this young 18-year-old boy's death. Uh, a lot of people think that he was indeed murdered. Um, it's unsolved, so we don't know for certain. Um, but... My perspective on it was it was as if the community shunned his family and sort of said, "Okay, you know, you're the family of a homosexual. You belong over here. We don't want anything to do with you. And I really feel like they made this young man's family's lives miserable for many, many, many years. Um, and, you know, this was something that was not to be talked about in town at all. It was completely swept under the rug. And then I wrote about it and I was was uncertain, you know, what the reception would be at the book launch in Vincennes on Main Street. Brent's mother showed up and there was a, there was a full page on the Vincent Sun commercial article uh, about the book and the cover and everything and she was upset naturally i mean this is a tragedy that her family had experienced and and when she first walked in she she was looking straight at me and she was addressing me and and she was angry and and she was and she was you know sort of telling me exactly what she thought about me and what she thought about the novel but then a really interesting thing happened she turned to the audience to the people the attendees at this particular launch and she said you don't know what it's like to have lost a son you don't know what it's like to have lost a child in this manner and it occurred to me in that moment that that was the first time in 30 years Mm -hmm. that she had the opportunity to address the community and say what was on her mind and and let them know the pain that had been inflicted upon her not only by her son's tragic death but by the community's response to her and and sort of you know lack of lack of 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 empathy and and lack of caring you know about an 18 year old boy doesn't matter if the boy is gay or straight or whatever an 18 year old boy in this community died and nobody did a darn thing about it um so i couldn't be upset that she showed up because i really felt like that was her moment that was her moment, and, and she was able to to really reveal her anger and to reveal her pain, and people saw it firsthand up close for the first time. So I was – she would probably never believe me when I said this, but I myself am incredibly proud of her and her family because I think that's exactly what needed to happen. People needed to see that there was real pain inflicted upon this family, and they've
1: been living with it for over
2: 30 years.
1: The, what what you've both um done with your 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 books have um you you've opened up dialogue and discussions in in communities you' you you haven't just you know written a book and and made it available um i think that's incredible i th- i think that that um getting people to talk about these these things is is something that's invaluable um Patty, you you know dealt with um, how grief and hysteria you know turned into a, a witch hunt in in your in your novel, and um, did you you found that um, that a community that didn't think that they could be broken up um, over something really was, was deeply affected is is that right it it wasn't just you know it wasn't just that, that that it was in a large community where no one knew what was going on everyone knew this 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 young boy and and did it not um, a- affect the community greatly
3: Oh absolutely no 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 definitely it, yeah i mean both in real life and in the novel for yeah. sure yeah
1: well both of you, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us about your books. Um, these are both on Kaylee Jones.
2: Both the books, uh, The Year of Needy Girls by Patricia A. Smith, and then my novel Some Go Hungry by J. Patrick Redmond are available wherever books are sold, okay. online, brick-or-mortar bookstores. You can order it. You can Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you, wherever you want to buy a book, you can buy our books.
1: Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with us about the books. Um, we're very excited about. Um, I know Patrick, you are working on the next book, and we're excited and looking, struggling on lo- working looking on the forward, next book. <laughs> looking forward to that, though. I enjoyed. Keep um, going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Patty, thank you for for coming on the show and talking with us and um, sharing oh. your your book.
3: Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: All right, it is time for our third and final music break of the evening. Uh, More than half a decade has passed since Fisher Spooner, the highly homoerotic duo composed of Casey Spooner and Warren Fisher, released their last album, Entertainment. Now, the pair is back with their new club-ready single, Have Fun Tonight. Like the rest of their comeback album, Sir, due out in September, have Fun Tonight is co-produced and co-written by legendary R.E.M. singer Michael Stipe. The record is aggressively, unabashedly homosexual, Spooner <laughs> told Nico Panda last spring, speaking about the attitude on Sir. That was something I wanted to do from the beginning. With Have Fun Tonight, here is Fisher Spooner. And, and Michael.
4: So I set you free and you set me free to have fun tonight.
1: To Blooming Out on WFHB. To finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ ev- ver- um, event calendar in the area. HIV testing will continue to be provided by Positive Link throughout the summer on the first and third Thursday of each month at the LGBTQ Culture Center. This free, confidential, 20 minute testing can be scheduled by contacting the LGBTQ Culture Center.
0: Uh, an IU staff member is forming a meetup group open to Bloomington area LGBTQ plus adults of all ages. If you are in town and would like to join like-minded folks for fun social activities, learn more by visiting www.meetup.com slash Bloomington dash LGBTQ dash social dash meetup.
1: Bloomington Pride Fest will be a day long celebration on Kirkwood Avenue on Saturday, August the 26th. Note the new name as this was the previous Bloomington Pride Summerfest. More information can be found on Facebook. If you would like to add your event to our calendar, uh, please email us
0: at bloomingoutwfhb.org. At That is all the time that we have for you this evening. We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at bloomingoutwfhb, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram.
1: The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and music director is Grace Thumser. The news director is Olivia Davidson. Our board engineer is Jesse Grubb. And the assistant board engineer and social media coordinator is Josephine Douglas. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out and Jeff Pulling, I'm Colin Shasperger. Please tune in again next
0: Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on wfhb.org or bloomingout.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week
4: to Blooming Out.